0: campfire tales usually share a few key ingredients. Eerie nightfall, an unsuspecting victim or two, a sinister predator stalking in the darkness. But are any of these legends more fact than fiction? And if so, what might be lurking beyond the light of our flickering flames? Today, for our 50th episode, we're sharing campfire stories. (laughs) Welcome to Shadowland, everybody. Welcome. This is a podcast that shines a spotlight on stories of the supernatural, mysterious, eerie, and unexplained. Stuff like dark matter.
1: 80s wormholes.
0: Forest mimics.
1: Reptilian overlords.
0: Shadow people.
1: Mysteries of the unknown.
0: Ghost sex.
1: Self-transforming machine elves.
0: Triangles of doom.
1: Dream symbolism. Duende human pig hybrids
0: haunted places
1: alien implants
0: all that stuff
1: all that stuff and more
0: lots more i'm christina callery
1: and i'm seth jablon and today today we're talking about campfire stories
0: yeah we're gonna have uh we're gonna tell some campfire tales and we're celebrating episode 50
1: yeah big 50
0: so thanks for being with us. Yeah, we're super excited to be here, and uh, we're really happy that we've made it this far. Yep. And we're growing, and it's it's that's super exciting. And um, if you haven't um, yet rated or, re- or reviewed us, please do so. Um, we really appreciate it, and that's going to help us keep going and help us uh, keep growing and keep bringing you more episodes.
1: Yep. Cool. Well, I feel like um, I'm really excited about this. Well, well f- first, before we go into I just want to like, I don't know, this isn't like a news or, or update or anything. It's just like thinking about the last episode, and I just saw this show on, um, on Apple. It was like, a, sorry, it's a documentary called Fathom. I don't know if you heard about it or saw it. It's, um, mm. it's about these two um, scientists who uh, are studying whale song. And they're they're both kind of doing different things, um, and then one of them, one of them is is tracking the sort of progress of a song across the uh, across the ocean across different sort of tribes of of whales, and the other one is um, is studying like a particular whale like song pattern, right? Which they call a whoop, right? They've, they've like named them all sort of phonically because of what it sounds like, mm-hmm. and it was her belief that it was basically a record it was basically how they say hello I am blank right like kind of all the way across all the sort of whale you know Um, uh, these are humpbacks sorry all the different humpbacks like sort of across the globe and so she recorded this a whale basically saying hello I am and then kept playing it over and over to um different well she started trying to like track one individual but it was like just by circumstance where she um where she was on her expedition there was many whales there so they switched to sort of trying to talk to multiple ones but the idea was really to engage one one whale and it just like just like totally reminded me of our our last episode right like this idea of this like species mimicking like a pretty intimate interaction right like hey, hey, Mike, hey, Mike, over here. It was like, basically, that's what she was doing.
0: Yeah, and um, in case you haven't listened to it yet, our, our yeah. last episode, it was creepier than, than, than this, but yeah, basically, yeah. I mean, probably. Super super. We cool. did forest mimics where people are out in the woods or close to the woods somewhere, and they will hear a voice that sounds like somebody familiar or someone in need of help calling to them to come into the forest so give it a listen. Yeah.
1: Well, anyway, so it just made me think of that, right? Like this idea that something was mimicking uh, this sort of, you know, call to to another person trying to draw them in somewhere, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, like the the other one was like, like the stories we told about, or you told about it were definitely like more sinister,
0: right? What
1: could have not been, right? Like, but we talked yeah. about
0: it, yeah. Like, you know, is it just some some kind of decoy? It could be, yeah, yeah you know, yeah, exactly. Something anyways, out so there when, me, for whatever reason they want to get closer.
1: Yeah, totally. So, anyways, um, okay. So, campfire stories.
0: Campfire stories. How do you want to do this? Do you want to um, do what we usually do and take take turns all at once, or I know I've got a few, so we could go back and forth. It's up to you. What do you think?
1: Oh, yeah. Good question. I mean, I only have two okay. with like like two sort of thematically, and then you know, like a couple okay. stories. Oh, and so. Tim,
0: please cue up the the fireside sounds.
1: Oh yeah, so we want to just imagine to we're sort of out special. in the woods, yeah. we're
0: camping together. It's yeah, nighttime. The
1: yep. Fires crackling, the winds blowing, the trees are rustling. We're all sitting around a fire. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about this idea before we get into the stories of like uh, of a campfire story, and just thinking about like how old it is, right? Like right. Just the idea of you know back in the day, back in you know back and back and back, you know everyone's sitting around a, a fire. Um, relating stories that sort of represented their philosophy their religion their cosmology their teaching stories their entertainment right it was sort of everything right back back then Mm -hmm. and so now it's like you know what we're doing is still like really what we do every show is really almost like a version of that right of a campfire story so anyways um well do you want to go first Okay, sure. Um, okay. Yeah, so I've got I've got two, and then maybe um, yeah. Let's, let's see how the first one goes, and then maybe maybe we'll switch to you and switch back to me. Um, okay. So the first one, the first one, like I don't know when we first started talking about doing this, I like it wasn't it didn't like jump out at me like in my mind, but it is one that I've had in the back of my mind um, for a long time, just because of kind of like how like pervasive it is and sort of like. Funny and weird and, you know, and all the things that like a good sort of legend uh, folklore would have. Um, So I'm going to do, um, well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll actually, maybe I'll read this little opening I wrote. Okay. And then take us into the story.
0: Okay. Set the scene.
1: Okay. So imagine yourself there. It's early evening and the sun struggles to find its way through the mirad pine boughs that sway above you on the gentle breeze. Behind them, it is hot, and there is still a sun. But here under the canopy heat, it is cool and darker than it should be. The monotony of the trees that surround you fades into the dim light. It seems to go on forever, uncomfortably so, but there's something else. The arid atmosphere seems to hide something you can't quite put your finger on. It's all so beautiful and austere, yet unsettling. You hear only the wind and the soft crunch of your footfalls, on the endless bed of needles that you are walking on. But wait, was that a rustle? Another shape in the monochromatic periphery of your eye? Your heartbeat suddenly joins the scene as you realize you are not alone. The shadow scurries in front of you, sending your mind into confusion about what you are actually seeing. There before you is some small quadruped with a terrifying and nearly comical demeanor, furry and slinky. It appears to have the head of a small fo- horse, horned, and a slithering body, followed by a long tail. Is it a llama? A jabberwocky? A devil? It catches your presence out of the corner of its eye, and it suddenly spreads its large, dragon-like wings that you did not see before and lifts itself into the air. It hangs for but a moment before it flies off, impossibly off. Did that just happen? Did that acid you took in high school finally make a comeback? Or are you finally going crazy? No, you just saw the Jersey Devil.
0: Oh, yes.
1: So I'm going to do the Jersey Devil.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so, yeah, at this point, everyone's probably at least heard of the Jersey Devil, right? Like, you know, you know obviously, especially for many of the people um, who have grown up there have definitely heard their share of stories or maybe even have one of their own. Like, it's a t- classic tale which follows all the requirements of folklore, um, including having its own origin story, which I will get to. Um, but first, I kind of want to set the stage for it, right? So this all... The, the the Jersey Devil the Jersey Devil folklore and its origin story all take place in a very particular place in New Jersey called the Pine Barrens. Have you ever heard of that before? Or?
0: I've heard the name. Okay. I've never been there. And actually, I've heard a lot about the Jersey Devil, but I don't really know the story, so this is new to me, oh, too. Oh, okay.
1: Cool, yeah. So... Um, it's also known as the Pinelands, or simply the Pines, um, and it is the largest remaining example of the Atlantic Coastal Pine Barrow's ecosystem, right? So this is from Wikipedia. The The, the name refers to the area's sandy, acidic, nutrient-poor soil, which is why they sort of call it Barrens, right? So although the um, European settlers could not cultivate their crops there, the unique Ecology of the pine barrens supports a diverse spectrum of plant life, including orchids and carnivorous plants. So right, so it's like kind of a crazy place. Um, it's got rare pygmy um, pines and other spe- species um, that uh, depend on the the frequent fires that happen in the in the pine barrens. So um, so Oops, did you yeah. say
0: carnivorous plants?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: So like Venus flytraps
1: or what? Well, I don't know if it's Venus flytraps, but yeah, like basically stuff like that, right? And orchids. Like I didn't. That, I thought that was surprising too. Like it's this. It's a crazy yeah. like its own little ecological world. It
0: sounds very tropical for Jersey.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. I mean, I guess um, the area of sand um, composes much of the area soil, and the, and the locals call it sugar sand. So it has this like very particular set of properties but because it's so sort of arid and specific it's it's called a barren. i don't know it seems odd for a place that would have orchids but um who knows i'm not a scientist so um it's also a very rural area with its own dark history um which is um also connected to the mob right so bodies were said to have been buried there um there's a famous scene in sopranos that's set there um Although, it's, uh, I think I read that it was actually filmed in um, a, a state park outside of New York. Not, not in the Pine bears, but it's supposed to take place there. Um, but it, basically, it's a, a place of myth and mystery, um, and it also has a past with the early settlers. So, the um, origin story of the Jersey Devil, or the Leeds Devil, as it was originally known, um, comes from that past. Okay, you ready to hear it? Yes. Okay. So I'm going to do, do another little story. <laughs> um, it all started one stormy night in 1735. A thunderstorm was raging throughout the Pine Barrens, and inside um, a modest home at Leeds Point, uh, a Quaker woman was preparing to give birth to her 13th child. Uh, the room glowed with candlelight, illuminating a clutch of women gathered around her to help her. Some had come in goodwill, others out of curiosity. You see, they had all heard talk of the Mother Leeds being a witch, and some wished to see it for themselves. Would the child be a devil? Word was that Mother Leeds had wished it would be so. Anticipation mounted like the swollen rain clouds hanging outside the door. A crash of lightning suddenly shook the whole house, and the the child was finally born at first there was a relief as the child seemed normal but quickly it began to change before the very eyes it grew and grew at a sickly rate reaching a height taller than a man its head becoming that of a horse followed by a snake-like body with horse hooves sprouting and sprouting giant bat's wings it swatted at the fearful women before flying up through the chimney out into the storm and that is the night that the Leeds devil was born and it still haunts the pine barrens to this day. <laughs> so that's basically the origin story.
0: So right? basically uh, this thing was born and just very quickly grew and sprouted wings and took off like that night. Yeah. Just trying exactly. to get a timeline here. Okay.
1: Yes, it all happened this one night, right? Like Okay. This th- there's sto- I mean there's different versions of the story. I found like several of them and so this was like kind of my like composite of them. But, but basically, the idea is that this this woman, um, you know, there, she was thought to like practice witchcraft or talk about the devil, like. And that um, these are all like Quakers, I guess, um, which seems sort of odd backdrop. But uh, she's about to give birth to her thirteenth child, and so there's some where they've like she like the child is like cursed, or that she was you know ha- somehow in the cahoots with the, the devil. Number, the number, the number
0: thirteen. It's like yeah. the version of Rosemary's Baby.
1: Yes, exactly. Right. So um, so then people sort of gathered around to see if it would take place, and it did. And so, yeah, I mean, the, the, the transformation, some say it sort of came out that way. Others said that it, hap- it came out and sort of happened immediately. Um, and I think there's other versions where it, like, happened overnight or something like that. But the idea is that it transformed. Once it got here, it transformed into this thing. But the descriptions are pretty consistent, right? And very, like, weirdly sort of comically specific, right? Yeah. It's like definitely the horse.
0: It's got a lot going on. It's It's got
1: got got a lot lot, going on. It's got a lot going on. (laughs) Um, Yeah, there's actually a, um, uh, in this guy, uh, what's his name? Richard Dorsen um, in Man and Beast in American Comic Legend. um, I guess he's sort of like a leading folklorist guy, and he outlines a six-point criteria for um, establishing the distinction um, amongst uh, um, sorry, uh, establishing the est- distinction amongst legendary creatures of American folklore. So uh, he basically like um, says that it needs. Let me find the list here. Um, it must exist in an oral tradition, inspire belief and con- conviction, become personalized and institutionalized. Um, it is uh, fanciful or mythical, and contain a comical side, which endears it to the American public, right? And so, um, just thinking about like um, uh, Bigfoot or something like that, right? Like, there's always something sort of comical that happens in there, and like it, it makes its way into sort of comical story. So it's Yeah, its depiction can be sort of terrifying, but it can also almost, like, be silly, right? Like a snake body and a horse head and, like, like all this, like, you know... um, What was the one when we were doing... Was it hybrids or whatever? Like, uh, there was a couple like that where it was, like, this really strange sort of eclectic collection of animals. Um, But, yeah, it definitely has a lot going on. But the horse head is something that, in, like, all the sightings um, that people will often... Uh, um, uh, talk about right. So um, uh, let's see. So yeah. So one of the one of the ones was uh, somebody was driving down the the road one day, and they um, there's l- obviously like a lot of photos that have been taken. How of this long thing ago
0: was it? Recent or?
1: Oh, um, the one that I'm uh, talking about right now. Yeah. Oh, or how long ago was the origin story? No, the sighting. Oh, it was. Um, I think it was in like the 80s or 90s or something like that. Okay. I don't remember the date, but um, yeah, one of my favorite um, uh, favorite uh, photos, it looks like someone took like a Havanese and like, or, like a Bichon or something and put like little wings on it and like tossed it up in the air.
0: Like, <laughs> <and> <laughs> <laughs> a photo it.
1: it's we got to post that. It's, yeah, it's super funny. Um, but yeah, there's other stories that include like gypsy curses, right? This woman was like cursed by a gypsy or something like that. Um, but, yeah, there's lots of, like, photos out there. Some of them are pretty, like, uh, dubious. Um, but there's others that are, um, you know, that people are, like, clearly convinced that they saw something. And then certainly there's ones in there that, like, you know, you know, people just want to join in and sort of be part of the phenomena. But, um, but yeah. So, yeah, that's the story of the uh, Jersey Devil.
0: So have there been, I have to ask you, to your knowledge have there been any attacks does this thing attack people or animals or
1: no there are what they're does it do? Like kind of sightings so um okay. yeah so uh one that i was reading about some guy just like he was like driving along and he thought he saw like a llama <laughs> you know And like <laughs> he's the one who sort of chased it down and, and took a picture of it um but yeah, people will see i think another like um I wasn't able to find the photo of this, but there was, like, on YouTube, there's, like, a lot. Like, they're all, like, kind of, like, oh, I saw it, like, kind of, like, walking off into the distance. I saw this, like, horse head, and then it, like, kind of takes notice and then takes off and flies away. But there's no, like, um, that I found, at least. Like, there's no, um, like, attacks or anything like that. It's, like, behaves the way an animal would, right? Which is, Mm -hmm. like, it's off in the distance somewhere. If you get close, it kind of takes off, right? It's not, like, predatory in some way or, or, or sort of out to get people.
0: Hmm. Well, it sounds creepy. Do people have a, are people afraid usually when they see it or is it more just like, Oh, cool. I gotta, you know, yeah, I think it's
1: definitely like, I think in the category of like, Oh, cool. Like, I think it's like, like scary in the sense that, um, you know, you see something weird, right? Like it's always like, kind of like chilling. Um, but there's none in the sense that, um, but most people are like, like pretty excited to see, <laughs> you know, people go out looking for it. Uh, people, you know, when, once they see it, they, they might be sort of like confused at first and then sort of like go on the forums and find other people that have seen the sort of same thing. Um, but it's definitely like, it definitely exists in that category of sort of, um, homespun encounters that really probably a lot of people don't pay attention to unless you sort of live there right so like where i'm from i've I've talked about on the show before like there's always talk of the like satan worshippers in the van right Right. (laughs) like drive up behind you or something like that was like kind of like our folklore um so i think a lot of these they don't get like the same sort of like national attention that you know like bigfoot or something like that would get um but you know for people that live there, like you know, my wife grew up in, in in Jersey, or at least part of it, and and she, um, you know, she definitely had heard of it, like you know, as a teenager and things like that. So,
0: yeah, oh, that's that's pretty cool, though. Um, it's it's such a strange composite type of creature, you know. A lot of times, cryptids will be, um, half this, half that.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And but this, this thing is, is like, like a kind jumble. of a, like a
0: quilt or something. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like sort of like a jumble of, uh, of, of imagery. And it like kind of started all at the beginning, right? Like, you know, it kind of has that. Um, there's definitely some like, um, you know, sort of satanic panic in the whole thing, right? Like the whole right. thing sort of With started. What's that? With a witch. Yeah, with a witch, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's why it's sort of called the Leeds Devil. Like, there's this family, you know, that lived in this, um, you know, very religious community. And this woman's, like, believed to be conspiring with the devil. Um, And then there's this whole sort of aftermath of people coming in and sort of talking about the devil and, like, the influence of the devil. And, like, you know, sort of debating the whole mythology of the thing as sort of, like, you know proof and warning of of conspiring with the devil right so it had its own very like religious sort of quality to it at first and then it basically just sort of stuck in people's memory as this image right like this this basically i think it was in um a a couple papers and that basically like just sort of sealed the deal uh for it to stick around like literally forever
0: so what do you think do you believe in it
1: I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's weird. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to say I don't know. I hate saying no. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. <you> know. <laughs> because I don't know like people so many people like see this thing and believe in it. Like, I don't know, like there's some status that uh, uh something like this can take on in folklore where it's like it, maybe it's getting at something in people's sort of imaginations or or um, beliefs or something. Or maybe they are, maybe there's some weird animal out there. I, I don't really know. But in this case, it's really hard for me to sort of picture. You know, the 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 truth of the origin story sounds like a little dubious, right? Like who knows? I mean, or, or you know, there, there's always like a an element of truth, right? So like maybe there was. Um, you know something that went wrong or odd with a birth or something like that or somebody like started talking about something and then saw some like weird animal that lives out there there's definitely like a a potential possible like animal aspect to this whole thing right like all of its all of the um stories and sort of reports about it it acts very Mm animal-like right whereas like Bigfoot can can act animal-like but also can he can act sort of very human-like right where it's you know uh um moving around and making decisions and trying to communicate in a way that just an animal trying to get away from you wouldn't necessarily do
0: right yeah i mean people talk about in bigfoot sightings when they've been up close looking into their eyes and, and that they look very human
1: Right, right, exactly. Like, there's a
0: recognition there, um, where it sounds like this thing is kind of more of a wild creature of some type. Yeah, maybe it's, like, something that started from a superstition um, around this local lore um, around this person and uh, kind of spun out. Someone saw something strange, and the story kind of started growing from there.
1: Yeah, actually, in... in, um I'm looking at my note, mo- notes here, and um, uh, 1909, and um, the press um, ran a story about a, a fisherman um, who was was fishing, sort of in rum point um, between like uh, Atlantic City uh, and Brigantine. Um, he's he claimed to have captured the dir- the Jersey Devil while fishing, so he was actually like two miles offshore. And he, um, you know, was sort of battling to trying to bring in the boat and ended up um, hitting it with an oar. Right. And so he he says he was um, pulling in from the open sea with a boatload of fish um, around sunrise when he noticed this big winged um, object sort of flash in his face. And then it um, basically like took off like a bird and and started attacking him. Um, And so basically he barely survived the attack. And, uh, he was attacked by what he calls a winged demon. And so oh. he said it went at him with sharp bills and claws. Um, and he managed to, um, land a lucky blow on him and sort of fell back, uh, into the, into the boat. Uh, and he, he tied its wings with a line and brought it in. Um, but, and then as proof he like sort of showed other fishermen that his bruised arms and coat had been sort of torn apart. Um, but basically, they, they took it back and put it in a cage uh, um, to you know sort of corroborate the story and to show everyone that it actually happened. Um, they um, like they all sort of agree that it was like some sort of weird creature. They said it was 150 pounds in weight, and that it was oh, a cross. Yeah, that it was a cross between a crane and a pelican. Um, that they hadn't ever, and, you know, some kind of animal that they hadn't seen before, some kind of bird. Um, so you know, in this case, it's like, well, what was this, right? Like, why? Well, first of all, why is this like the Jersey Devil? You know, and like, but it was definitely reported at as at the time as being part of that, right? But maybe it was some type of weird bird. Was this the sort of same, um, you know, creature that some people supposedly saw on land, right? So,
0: or uh, back to our dinosaur episode. Oh, could yeah, this yeah. be it like, a pterodactyl? yeah, a pterodactyl?
1: Yeah, totally. Mm. Maybe. So it could be like a that's composite. of Pretty weird, big. What's that? It's
0: pretty big. Yeah, yeah. I don't I mean, know how much they weighed, but yeah, like, that's a pretty yeah. big bird. That could I mean, carry you away. That could. That could for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I always think about that. Um, that one bird. Um, what's it called? It's not. It's not an emo. It's a uh, ele- elephant bird. It's mm-hmm. elephant bird that used to live at the southern tip of Madagascar or something? Do you know what I'm
0: talking about? I don't know what you're talking about.
1: So the elephant bird, I feel like I've definitely like brought this up on here. Um, the elephant bird was a giant like, emu-like bird that was like taller than a man, right? Like it basically the t- top of your head would come up to the top of its back, right? And then it had a whole long neck and it looked very much like an ostrich, um, and, but like twice the size right so oh. gargantuan right like I mean people can ride around on uh, ostriches or whatever like this thing is like huge and it lived in a very particular yeah it's Madagascar okay so I'm finding it right here so um, it had um, it laid giant eggs right and so people were um, obsessed with these eggs because it's like oh cool you make like a giant, giant omelet
0: of <laughs>
1: <laughs> like the village uh-huh. so but the, the, the locals like you know they definitely ate this egg but they didn't um, you know they were sort of in harmony with, with it a bit but then around like the 17th century uh, you know more settlers were coming in the, the areas being populated and you know it was a very popular thing to eat And they basically just ran it extinct Mm -hmm. in like a hundred years right and so it's gone now like at least at least so um, so scientists believe right so you know number one here's this giant bird right like if you saw a picture of it it's like fucking crazy huge and it lived not that long ago right like what I don't know when the I'm not going to find when the last one was sort of cited, but it was sometime in the 1800s, right? It could even been around in the early 1900s. So a hundred years ago, here's this bird that was so popular that you know people ate it to to its extinction, and now we don't even know about it. We don't even hardly talk about it, right? We don't. You've never seen a picture of it. you never, you know, had anyone bring it up yet. This thing was very much alive. So why couldn't there have been, you know, in all likelihood, there are probably species that went extinct because of settlers coming in and, and the urbanization of, um, you know, this continent had to have happened, right? Now, I'm not saying, like, the Jersey Devil's one of them, but uh, but why not? Like, I mean, you know, who knows what they these fishermen saw, but the idea that they encountered something uh, – so big and so sort of weird that they sort of kept it and talked about it and, you know, did did a whole um, news story on it, Um, you know, means that, you know, these are people that were like probably encountering wildlife way more than we are nowadays, right? There was way more of it around. They were out in nature way more than us currently. So for them to be sort of put off by something, I don't know, I think we look back and we think like, oh, these... These dummies (laughs) didn't know what, like, a a fish or a fucking mermaid was. But they were much much more in touch with stuff that was happening, right? Because they saw it more. So, I don't know. I don't think just because it's, like, an old story doesn't mean it didn't happen. Or that it was something, it wasn't something weird that, like, maybe went extinct afterwards. So, I don't know. I feel like it could be a composite set of encounters. Like, once this idea of a Jersey Devil is sort of burned in everyone's psyche... Right. It's a good origin story that now they're going to see it when they see weird stuff. So I don't know. I kind of feel like it might fall in that category. Mm -hmm. I could see that. I could
0: see that. I could see that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If you have a Jersey devil encounter, prove me wrong. I I would love I would love it if there was a Jersey devil out there. Trust me. But (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to put this in the animal category probably. I don't know. What do you think?
0: I think you're. I think I'm leaning more toward where you're going with this.
1: Yeah, but it's Um, definitely a great. I think, like, also, like, if
0: you see something for a split second, or you don't get a good look at it, or it's dark out, or whatever, it's kind of hard to wrap your head around what you've seen. So if it's something that, like, your brain is like, "Oh wait, I've never that doesn't look familiar. That's like not an animal I've ever seen in this area. Or what is that?" You know, you could imbue it with characteristics that are a little more, you know, mythic or magical.
1: Totally. Or it might look like several things that you can't quite put your finger on. Which is different than the sort of protracted experience that the fishermen had with whatever they found, right? Like, so this was like, you know, an example where someone like they were handling it. So they, you know, they they had a clear look at it. Right. Captured it, Right um i don't know it, it but
0: then again like i mean yet, they would have been familiar with pelicans and seabirds and so they well, yeah, could exactly. have said this is a gigantic monster pelican you know
1: yeah yeah exactly yeah so. that, yeah I, I i think so too like yeah and yet they didn't they, would have, they described right, it as it a did. demon
0: so what right, maybe right, it demon. was some kind of mutation i mean
1: yeah maybe maybe or maybe it was a demon it was like
0: it could be maybe oh, the it's water a, for some a demon horse bird snake. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. So cool. Cool. All right. I learned something. Yeah.
0: All right. Do you want me to do one of mine? Sure. Okay. My one of, this one is a, a little longer. Um, and um, you never know, listeners out there, there could be one lurking in a forest near you. I'm gonna do the Goat Man.
1: The Goat Man. Okay. Goat man right. Legends. Nice. Have you
0: heard of the Goat Man Legends? No, no. Okay. okay. Yeah. Well, there are, there are numerous ones that span all regions of the U.S. Like the East Coast. Um, there's a Goat Man um, in the Heartland, in the Midwest, um, the Western United States, um, and. It also appears in some Native American lore or a creature that's very similar to this. And it feels pretty similar to the satyr of Greek mythology. But generally, these creatures are described after sightings as being half man, half goat, hairy-bodied humanoid. So they're bipedal and they're very large and imposing and scary, with horns and, of course, cloven feet, or some variation of all of that. And in general, they're usually believed to be kind of sinister or predatory. And they've been blamed for everything from animal mutilations to unsolved disappearances. And the sightings generally take place in the forest. So this first one I'm going to do is the Bowie, Maryland Goatman.
1: So in Whoa, okay. Uh, I've never heard of this. Alright, I'm super excited. Okay.
0: So in Prince George's County, Maryland, there's a legend that's reportedly been around for over a century, but it picked up steam in the last fifty years or so. And it's the Maryland Goatman or the Bowie Goat Man. Um the first reported sighting occurred um around nineteen fifty seven. And true to so many urban legends and horror movie tropes, there was a young couple that they were parked in a remote makeout spot near a dark, wooded area in the Forestville, Upper Marlboro part of the county. And all at once, they were startled by a loud banging on their car hood, which would be terrifying <laughs> in itself. Yeah. Yeah. But then they looked up to see a large, hairy, horned monster wielding what appeared to be a double-sided axe. So it was like something off like a metal album. I (laughs) am, exactly. (laughs) So they claimed the creature just stared at them aggressively for a moment before turning around and running back into the woods. But that wasn't the end of it. Several days later, a married couple in the area reported seeing quote a hairy wild man rummaging through their trash outside their house which is kind of (laughs) weird yeah um and additional sightings followed in the coming weeks to the point where local firefighters and hunters banded together and organized a search for the beast which turned up nothing and then authorities um kind of came out later on and they were like well these sightings were a hoax But that didn't stop the sightings from continuing. So a few years later, another couple was making out in their car, which they parked in a remote wooded um, area uh, called Zug Road. It was tree lined and, you know, kind of creepy looking at night. You can just imagine it. And they looked up to see a strange humanoid creature watching them from the tree line. And the woman described it as like a tall, ragged animal with human-like features, which kind of starts getting into Bigfoot territory.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: But okay, so the origins, according to lore, the origins of this monster are just as horror movie-esque as its actions. So... In one of the most circulated bits of lore, it was the result of, get this, (laughs) unholy experiments conducted Uh by a doctor (laughs) named Stephen Fletcher at the nearby Beltsville Research Agricultural Center. Um, Fletcher was said to have played the role of mad scientist and merged goat DNA with the DNA of his assistant. Uh And I don't know if his assistant, like, okayed this and was like, yeah, let's see what happens. Or, you know if he was forced to, or or, who knows. But the rumors have plagued the facility to the extent that they actually had to issue a formal denial. Like, no, 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 we we didn't make goat men here. (laughs) And it's said to haunt the woods in the area.
1: That's that's definitely what they would say if they hadn't made goat men there.
0: Yeah. But it's been seen in different places, usually kind of creepy ones, like there's an abandoned sanitarium, and especially, like, there's an old bridge that it lurks around, supposedly. So, um, a historian and Bowie Goatman expert, who's named uh, Mark Opsasnik uh grew up in the area, and he recalled the first time he heard the legend. He was in around seventh grade, and um, it was in the back seat of his friend, his friend's older brother's car. And he said, when we would get rides, we would, when we would act up in the back seat, they would tell us to shut the hell up, or they'll dump us. On Fletcher Town Road, and the Goatman will get us. <laughs> <know that>. So, <laughs> from that time, he became fascinated with the story. And when he was in high school, um, it was such a well-known thing in the area. He and his friends um, would go man hunting, just like you know, some people in right. in the Detroit area. Like there was a an old abandoned, you know, asylum that people used to go explore or different places like that that kind of have legend around it um and then they weren't alone like this was something that was so popular with local teens that they would have goat man parties which kind of sounds fun i'm I'm imagining like the 70s and like (laughs) your rock t-shirts and feathered hair Yeah. yeah um so if you mentioned the goat man in this area everybody knew what you're talking about um And then in the 70s, it actually started to pick up steam. So in April of 1971, a farmer near Fletchertown Road in Huntington um, thought that uh, he saw a goat man. And then in November of that year, a 16 year old girl was awakened in the middle of the night by the sound of her dog barking. So she looked out the window and she saw a very large hairy creature walking on two legs moving toward her dog which was tied up and so she was terrified and she ran back into the house called for help two neighbors came over two neighbor boys and they had baseball bats and they were able to chase this monster back into the surrounding woods and when they emerged after giving up they found that this is this is horrible um but the dog had been decapitated by the creature
1: Wow.
0: yeah So, when interviewed later, one of the boys, whose name was John Hayden, described it as standing around six feet tall, bipedal, and hairy, and he said it made a, quote, high-pitched sound like a squeal as it was running from them back into the woods. And the dog's owner, her name was April Edwards, she said, quote, people came here and called it folklore, and the papers made us out to be ignorant hillbillies who didn't know any better. But what I saw was real, and I know I'm not crazy whatever it was, I believe it killed my dog. Um, And then the story was eventually picked up by the Washington Post, which mentioned it along with other sightings like the following. In 1973, a man was driving along Route 32 and reportedly saw, quote, a huge beast on two legs with glowing eyes. And then a few years later, a woman reported seeing, quote, a grayish- brown, round-shouldered animal with reflective red eyes cross the road in front mm-hmm. of her car and then step over the guardrail and disappear. And then in 1977, a NASA engineer witnessed a, quote, Bigfoot-type creature tossing a dog onto the road at I-95 and Powder Mill Road in Beltsville. So over the next decade, there were numerous reports of the Goatman attacking cars, attacking dogs. For some reason, it has something against dogs. <sighs> um And as recently as 2,000, construction workers claimed that they came face-to-face with a 300-pound, 7-foot-tall furry creature that had legs, hooves, and horns of a goat, but the upper body of a man near the town of Bowie. And then there were even more, more sightings. So a landscaper at the Woodmere Country Club found unidentified remains on the golf course near Lotsford Road. Um, I'm assuming this is of an animal, Uh, while attempting to dispose of them, he hears a low low growl, looks up, and sees this large unknown animal that, you know, he he had no idea what it was. In 1985, police responded to a report of teenagers making noise um, at the old Glendale hospital site, so some abandoned area, and while investigating, uh, an officer heard unknown sounds, but is unable to locate the source. Um, 1990 during a birthday party, um, some boys ran into the woods after a ball and moments later um, one of them screams and when adults arrive they find him visibly shaken. Uh, the boy tells his mother it was the dark thing with red eyes who stands in the corner of my room at night.
1: Oh my god
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about the goat man. I mean this yeah. so, th- that sounds more like a shadow person or yeah, Hatman man yeah. or something scary. Yeah. Um, in May 1998, a group of teenagers are hanging out near a local bridge when they notice something moving in the weeds nearby. Two of them go to investigate and describe seeing a tall human like animal running into the forest. And then in 2007, a camera crew uh, for WRC TV um, in Washington, D.C. was on location to cover a local golf tournament. When they saw a strange animal moving in the trees, the cameraman managed to capture a few seconds of video before it disappeared. And then um, I found an encounter on the site Phantoms and Monsters, but it was originally posted on Reddit by user Unvolta. So I'll just read this. Okay. One, one night about 10 years ago, Me and my best friend decided to stop by a local hangout of ours in Bowie, Maryland to smoke a cigarette before he dropped me off at home. We grew up here and spent our early years wandering the railroad tracks and woods, smoking and drinking as children do. So this one spot is a railroad overpass at 450 and 197. There's a parking lot and a small area of grass and trees, about 30-foot strip of land separating the tracks and the lot. So it's nighttime and we decide to go there to smoke a cigarette. We go on the tracks and we're facing the parking lot. So the overpass and to our left and the tracks go on to our right. This way we're still barely in the glow from the yellow parking lot lights. Now we're smoking and he's talking, but the entire time I'm focused to my right, peering down this track because I have the strangest feeling. I didn't know what it was until later, and it was the feeling of being watched by a predator, which I've never experienced before. After about two minutes, we're almost done with our cigarettes, a helicopter flies right above us, seemingly at tree level, with a spotlight briefly going right over us, coming from the direction of the overpass. Not five seconds later, I hear the gravel shift from between the tracks and I look toward the overpass standing right in the center of the overpass there is this giant silhouette now since it is dark and it's under the overpass i can only see its silhouette it's about eight or nine feet tall and burly looking it appears that if as if its head was attached to its torso completely bypassing any semblance of a neck the way super jack jack dudes look it was huge and we only looked at it for about a second before i said let's go now now we, we are hur- hurriedly started rushing away, and we hear the gravel moving closer, and not three seconds later, we both hear the most demonic, horrifying, multiple-pitched screech literally right behind our heads. It came from no more than a foot behind us, so of course, we book it to his car, and no, we didn't look back because, "Are you fucking kidding me? Get real."
1: <laughs> wow
0: and then he said that like a week later um they were hanging out and um uh a friend of theirs uh told them about how the week prior cops were out in the woods because they heard screams and thought somebody was being attacked so yeah
1: so what do you think what do you think this thing is
0: Well, I've got I've got one more. Can I read you another goat man? Okay, so this one is uh, the Popelick Monster of Louisville, Kentucky. Okay. So, um, in the woods surrounding Louisville, a legend has been circulating since since at least the 1960s of a goat man, or in some accounts, a sheep man creature called the Popelick Monster, and it's named after the Popelick Creek and the rusty, scary-looking suspension railroad bridge that runs over it called the Popelick Trestle. And we'll post things, we'll post pictures of this thing online. It's over 700 feet long. It rises 90 feet in the air, and it's this old, rusty, abandoned-looking, creepy, <laughs> scary-looking bridge. And there's definitely, like, a haunting look about it. It looks, you know, it looks like, you know, where you find a troll or something. Um... The creature is described as a goat or sheep and a human hybrid that is large with fur-covered goat-like, goat-like legs, pale skin, wide-set eyes, and horns. Um, its fur is also described as greasy, so it could use a detox shampoo for sure. Um, the legend states that the creature was originally captured in the Canadian wilderness at the end of the 19th century. It then toured with a circus freak show as one of their starring attractions until no, one wait, stormy night. Yes, yes, yes. So basically it toured with the circus for a while. It was captured and, you know, it was kind of like a starring attraction. And then one night, um, as the circus was traveling by train during a storm through the Pokelet Creek re- region, lightning struck and caused the train to derail. The Goat Man was said to be the only survivor And he fled into the woods and took up residence near the popelic trestle and sightings persist today so apparently and this is very similar to our uh forest mimics um from the last episode kind of a a phenomenon but the creature attempts to lure passers-by into the trestle to their doom so um the creature is reported to use mimicry to lure victims along with telepathy and kind of a, like a hypnosis so it'll cast a spell on them and they'll be kind of unable to resist and then when the victim climbs onto the trestle the creature is said to reveal itself and its terrifying appearance causes them to jump off the bridge or fall to their deaths while trying to escape um and other reports that lies in wait for a train to approach before luring a victim and then holds the person down on the tracks um Uh, So obviously climbing onto the trestle to defy the legend or just explore it is a favorite pastime for local teens and young people, but the activity has proved deadly on numerous occasions with a number of people falling to their deaths or being run over by the train since the 80s. So I'll just read one um, quick story about this uh, that comes from Reddit. Um, So here it goes. I went out to the Popelik Trestle Bridge with my girlfriend one night. We were just sitting in the car, when all of a sudden she got this mischievous look in her eyes and jumped out of the car, running into the woods. I had no idea what was going on, so I jumped out of the car and ran after her. But the strange thing was that every time I got close to her, she seemed to mysteriously get farther away. The next thing I know, she's standing in the middle of the tracks on the bridge. I was angry at her for being on the bridge and yelled at her to get off. This was no longer my idea of a good time and i wanted to leave she became visibly upset at me yelling and she broke down crying i ran out to console her and to see if i could coax her off it was then that i felt it and heard it the train was coming we jumped up and ran as quickly as we could toward the other side it was then that she fell pinned her leg between the railroad tines. I pulled and pulled, but it wouldn't budge. She was stuck, and I had to make the hardest decision of my life, stay and die with her or leave. I'm sorry to say that fear got the better of me that night and left her there alone on the bridge. As I began to pull away, she panicked and grabbed onto me. She wasn't going to let go. Panicking, myself at the sight of the oncoming train, I had to fight her off to save my own life. I reached the end just in time to turn around and see the train run her over. Distraught and sobbing, I made my way back to where she was, but there were no signs that she was ever there. No body, blood, or clothing. Confused, I made my way back to the car, contemplating the entire way the disturbing calls I was going to have to make to the police and to her family, and it was then that I saw her standing in the woods. Apparently, she had run into the woods from the car to use the bathroom, only to come out and have her own strange experience, seeing me on the bridge with another woman that looked just like her. She stood there in shock as she watched the train come and run over the woman and almost kill me. It was the most frightening experience either one of us has ever had.
1: Whoa, I love it. (laughs) crazy so okay so is is the idea then that this the um pope Lick monster is is also then the goat man is that like
0: well it's like it's one of the i mean there are multiple goat men so i think they all kind of have their own lore gotcha. you know okay. and so but this is also described as looking like a, a human goat hybrid that hangs out in the woods and you know Tax people, messes with people. It's up to no good, clearly.
1: Yeah, drawing on to train trestles, right? So right. you
0: know, and there, and there are many more out there too. If you want to do research, um, these are just I just touched on a few. There's another one in totally. Wisconsin, uh, the Goatman of Hogs Back Road. Um, you know, if you're from the Midwest, um, but there's a number of theories about what these things could be. So I'll just mm-hmm. run run them down, then we sure. can talk about it. So you know, of course, there's the idea. Like in the last story, but being a true human goat hybrid, you know, like some kind of experiment gone from awry a yep. right from a lab. Bigfoot sighting, where it's kind of like you describe it as a goat a goat like a goat man, but really it's it's more of it's the same creature as a bigfoot. Um, dogmen creatures, um which is another thing, a big bipedal, hairy woods dwelling kind of vicious creature that's sighted um. Or just large versions of known animals, like wolves, you know, that maybe people, like we were talking about with your story, you know, people could see something really large and get scared and, you know, think it's, it's something like a cryptid when it's an actual animal. Or demonic entities, um, certainly in the last story, if there's any truth to that, um, you know, that, that kind of hints that, that it's something demonic and otherworldly. Or aliens.
1: Yeah, or aliens. <laughs> there's always that or, aliens. Um, okay, interesting. So what do you think?
0: Uh, I mean, just from, you know, the breadth of these sightings, I think people are seeing something. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure what to make of it. I kind of don't think there's a goat human that was created in a lab and got away or but i tend to think that whatever it is it it might be that people in different areas of the country that are seeing different things are seeing the same creature so it it Mm. might be that you know the dog man and the goat man and maybe even bigfoot are kind of one thing that's one possibility. Or, uh, you know, there's a, also the black dog phenomenon, um, you know, kind of like a demon dog, hellhound sort of oh, a thing. right, and,
1: right, right, We've talked about that, yeah.
0: And, you know, you're out in the dark in the woods. I mean, the strange thing, though, is the horns, you know? I mean, if people really clearly see horns... Yeah, I mean, it's
1: yeah, it's hard to... Um, it's hard to know what's like hard sighting versus like an interpretation, right? So like, I mean, the goat le- like my first instinct was like, oh, whatever this is, it's part of the whole like blank man phenomenon, right. which is like dog man, wolf man, like um, uh um, you know, big wild man, which would be bigfoot, right? All kind of and then within the sort of um, Bigfoot, you know, a lot of them will see them as like having ape-like faces or a variety of types of ape faces. Right. So, so I don't know. It's weird. Cause I feel like, you know, maybe people are on the, on the one hand, maybe people are seeing what they're sort of used to seeing. Right. But it also seems like, it, like um, goat legs there and, and and dog legs for that matter. I mean, they bend a different way, right? Like that seems That's so specific true. to me that I'm like, yeah, but, how would you?
0: Well, also like, the cloven hooves, the hooves. I mean, the, the dogs hooves, never yeah. had. But
1: right, right. So like, yeah, even the wolf, the wolf, definitely, the wolf man definitely doesn't has never been reported with hooves, and though the I guess the legs would bend the same way, but no, the wolf man. I mean, the dog man. I don't think people talk about the dog legs being bent. I don't, I don't know. I don't remember that detail, but it's definitely not part of Bigfoot, right? The fact that the legs would bend backwards— isn't that how they would bend if they were a goat? Goat leg? If they're saying goat leg, and, and maybe that's not what they're— why they're saying goat leg? Maybe they're saying because they're hairy and have hooves or something like that. Um, it's also very pan-like, right? Like,
0: yes. Yes.
1: It sounds like they're describing pan, which is also weird, right? Like, is this something buried in our psychology that like makes us see this? Is this like a real thing?
0: <laughs> so I'm <laughs> you know? checking out goat legs uh, right now as we speak, and I don't—they don't really bend. You know, you—you could—they could look similar to dog legs in the dark. I don't—I don't, yeah, don't know—not sure. not the hoof part. If you really get oh. a good.
1: Okay, okay I, see it, you, I see what you're saying. Yeah, but I mean, I guess I just don't know why, without, like, interviewing these people who have these sightings or whatever, like, you don't necessarily know why they're saying that. Like, is it because they're bending backwards? Is it because of the shape, you know, otherwise, at the hooves? Like, so I don't know. It's just, like, the reason I'm f- focusing in on it is because it's like, well, yeah, is this all just part of the same weird species that we call Bigfoot? Or are there literally, like, all these different types of, like, hybrid man animals out there or is this something in our psychology that just wait till my next story huh
0: i just said just wait till my next story okay Okay. okay. yeah i don't know i'm kind of i i guess i would kind of come down on the side of uh you know maybe people in different areas are ascribing different traits to the same thing
1: right But it could still be
0: a mysterious creature that we haven't, you know, discovered. And
1: right, yeah. Whereas, like, if you live in Kentucky, you see goats around, right? Like, probably, right. So you're that might be what's on your mind, and you're like, oh, it's like that, right? And like people with the Jersey Devil, they might see like horses, you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. Or you're in Wisconsin,
0: it's more of like a right. Or you might see
1: more mm-hmm. wolves, or or, mm-hmm. or wild dogs around certain areas, like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: or there's just you know one. I think one person posited that you know there's there's literally these different, slightly different species of Bigfoot, right? Where they actually do have different facial traits, and mm-hmm. some of them have more ape-like faces, and some of them have more like snout-like faces, like a um, like a baboon or something, right? Which would mm-hmm. look more dog-like.
0: Yeah, I mean that. In that first story, though, the sounds it was making is kind of strange. Yeah, that I high pitched squeal.
1: It's under my skin because i like that because I can picture it. Like imagine this: you're seeing this weird thing, and then it's running away from you, making this. It's not like growling, like a squeal, a high pitched squeal. As it runs is way scarier than if it was like, you know. Yeah, that
0: doesn't sound like a wolf for a dog. Yeah, I yeah, mean,
1: exactly. Yeah, yeah, I
0: mean, huh? I don't know. What do you guys think?
1: Yeah, if you there there,
0: Do you yeah, have any Goatman stories? We really need to hear about this. Shadowlandpodcast at gmail.com. Please send in your Goatman, Dogman, Jersey Devil stories. But um, that's That's so um,
1: interesting that there's there's this whole thing out there like I just never heard of that right it's also so localized like the Jersey Devil we kind of know about right there's like uh, a sports team that's sort of named after it's like made its way into sort of the national consciousness but the stories themselves and even its origin story are very much rooted in New Jersey and this you know there's, the goat man is like um Maryland and Kentucky they're also regional right there's something really interesting about that to me um all right, do you, want to, do you want to hear mine, then we'll do yeah. yours? Or yeah, no? yeah, okay, yeah, okay.
0: Yeah,
1: go. All right, so I will I will see your goat man, and I will raise you the wolf girl.
0: Oh, cool, okay.
1: Okay. Um, so this is a very specific s- story, though. This isn't sort of in the same category, I think, but it, it is interesting um, to think about. So, okay, so it all began in S- Espantoza Lake, I think that's the way you say it. Um, so this lake um, lies in the uh, basically what was the first colonial mission trail that ran between San Antonio and um, Cajulia, Mexico. Uh, it has a dark history that began long before when the story begins. So the name of the lake ex- itself actually means gruesome or frightful. Um. And when uh, it was described by early Spanish explorers, they, they, they described it as black with alligators when they first trekked through there in 1740.
0: So in other words, there were so many alligators that it
1: was... Yeah. It was oh,
0: wow. That's terrifying.
1: Yeah, like rotten with alligators, right? Wow.
0: So you could, like, run across really fast?
1: Yeah, like on you their could back? run across their backs. <laughs> if you went really fast, you could get across the lake. Um. So the lake it, um, was also thought to be haunted, right? And was most likely so based on all the sort of potential reptile attacks, drownings, late night disappearances that all happened there. Um, either way, it was just one of these places that always kind of had some sort of like bad juju to it, right? Like mm-hmm. bad feelings, you know, hauntings, and just people getting eaten. by like I think in it, I think later the the alligators left but there were still like um water moccasins and alligator gar and like other types of stuff that you just don't want to mess with um but by um 1885 the lake had gained some new inhabitants so um a group of american colonists led by dr charles beer had um set up camp there um nearby a solitary family um uh, John Dent and his uh, pregnant wife Molly Pertool Dent, both from Georgia, had built a cabin. So ostensibly, there, uh, Dent was there to trap beaver, but more likely he was there hiding out from a murder charge of a fellow trapper in Georgia. So the the Dent's choice um, to camp far away from everyone else proved fortunate when a party of Comanches raided the main Beale camp and massacred most of the inhabitants um, afterwards tossing the bodies of the victims into the darkness of the lake right and so that's that's the, that's the story like I always like to take those stories with a grain of salt we don't really know what happened we do know that you know there was some sort of conflict um, that left everyone dead right
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and so this however left the dents um, alone which was less fortunate, uh, when one night in 1935, Molly Dent went into labor during a severe thunderstorm. So uh, another thunderstorm. I feel like there's lots of thunderstorms.
0: Right. Well, you know, uh,
1: bad stuff has, you know, there has to
0: be a thunderstorm going on. Yeah,
1: right? yeah. So um, so there's, there's even more. I, actually, I forgot. There's actually even more in there. Okay, so complications arose. So Dent went westward to seek help so he comes upon a, a Mexican um, goat ranch at Bicos Canyon, and after he relates his wife's condition and what's going on, he begs them to help, and they agree. Now, as they were preparing to their horses to leave, a bolt of lightning suddenly crashes from the sky, striking Dent dead instantly. Oh, man. Um, so <laughs> that's pretty wild, right? So then the goat herders, they do their best to... To like keep going and like kind of go to help Molly Dent because they know that here's this woman now all alone in the world right all alone in her misfortune but still having a baby somewhere out there in her isolated cabin um, during a storm so they search for her but they don't find the cabin until morning um, when eventually they do go inside they find um, Molly tragically dead yet there was no sign of the child anywhere. Hmm. So the only evidence that remained were fang marks on Molly's cold body and wolf tracks all around the camp. Uh, So, wait, she uh, was
0: dead, but the child was gone? Right. Okay.
1: She was dead, child gone, but she clearly been... Wolf tracks. Yeah, and fang marks on her body, right? So, like, she had been either attacked by wolves or, or attacked afterwards, right? Um... And then clearly a a wolf pack had been there. So the consensus basically was that the the infant had been carried off by Lobo Wolves. Okay, so um, after that event, um, there were many sightings. Um, So 10 years later, a boy living in San Felipe um, Springs saw some kind of creature that looked like a young naked girl with long hair obscuring her features Running alongside a pack of Lobo wolves as they descended upon a herd of goats. A year after that, a Mexican woman, also from San Felipe, saw a young girl with no clothes accompanied by two large wolves as they devoured a newly killed goat. As the woman approached, they all saw her and all three ran off together. Um, the woman said that the girl first ran on all fours, but then rose up and ran on two feet very close behind the walls. So these reports continue. So she does mu-
0: kind of a combo all fours. Yeah, yeah, like, like her first instinct bipedal. is
1: to, yeah, her first instinct is to stay on all fours, but then like, right, like if you're a human being running like that, like after a minute, like you might, you might want to switch it up, Right. So um, these reports continue till eventually the, the girl became known as the Lobo Girl of Devil's River. So there's even a tale of her capture um, and a, a daring rescue by her wolf pack, right? They like she's, they actually like are able to sort of trick her, to like separate her away. They bring her back to this camp. Um, and they're able to, um, y- you know, sort of hold her in, in, a, in a certain room, but these wolves come and are actually able to, like, free her.
0: So, wait, the yeah. wolves came and rescued her?
1: Yeah, she got rescued by the wolves. Huh. And so she made it away. So um, later, in Devil's River, a party of frontiersmen were down at the water's edge when they saw a young woman sitting on a sandbar suckling two wolf cubs. So wait, she wait, see-
0: wait 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 <laughs> wait. <laughs> so time has passed, and uh, she's she's got two wolf.
1: She's got two wolf kids. Yes.
0: But do they look like wolves? Or are they?
1: Yeah, they're two wolf cubs. Okay. So All she right. sees them, and she basically grabs up the pups and dashes away uh, into the into into the. Um, the forest beyond in a way that's like impossible for these horsemen to follow and so based on um, when this took place it would have placed her as being 17 at the time right so if the story holds that she was then taken off into the wilderness as an infant um, based on when that sighting was she would have been 17 and so after that happens there's no more sightings of her right so There's this event that sort of reaches legendary status. There's all these sightings for about 17 years. This is the last one. And um, now she's not really seen again in that form. Now, there are a number of um, sightings of wolves with human faces that uh, then sort of continue on. Um, Eventually, she lives on in reports of apparitions... Around the lake uh, um, and old uh, San Felipe Springs and Devil's River. So people would see her likeness um, in a transparent white figure that would be sort of there one moment and then gone. Um, uh, Back in the autumn of. So that's kind of how she lives on. And I think people even see this ghost of hers, like up until sort of contemporary times. And one just like closing detail about this story, Um, back in the autumn of 1835, when John and Molly Dent um, had newly arrived in Texas, uh, Molly wrote her mother an odd letter. And it, it, it merely said, Dear Mother, the devil has a river in Texas that's all his own and has made it only for those who are grown. Yours with love, Molly. And that oh, was that's, the last that's creepy
0: and cryptic <laughs> thing to write to your mom. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, and then to give birth to a child then who is carried off by potentially wolves. So that is the story of the wolf girl.
0: Oh, that's really interesting. So, what do you think about that? I mean, there have been cases, haven't there? I mean, I can think of at least one hearing about it years ago of like a child that was found in the woods that couldn't speak and was living very wild. And, um, I think it was studied by linguists or something like that.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. Th- I feel like this. I, th- I mean, this has happened, happened
0: again and ag- yeah, like there have been stories, at least in folklore, of this kind of thing happening.
1: Yeah, we should I mean, we should look into that. Yeah, totally. I mean, I mean, it's definitely like there's been children that were like, wasn't there one that were... I think they lived on their own. Was it a bear or something? Think the boy... Well, I guess there was some contention. Well, about, like, what we was did... Actually uh-huh.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, in our Missing 411, I think I told a story about a little boy who was very small, like, you know, I want to say, like, three, four years old, or, you know, possibly even a little younger, who disappeared and um, was found a few days later. Like across a stream, you know that he couldn't have crossed alone, right, and right. he told people that a bear w- had taken care of him.
1: Yeah, and I mean, there's definitely stories of um, other not stories. I mean, there's definitely examples of other animals raising other animals.
0: Yeah, for sure. so we
1: know animals will take in young um offspring that are just, has nothing that is like wildly different than their own species and raise them as their own so I don't see why that wouldn't happen with a human being and especially at that time like someone could disappear into you know that that wilderness you know and not be seen again and still survive right
0: mm-hmm.
1: so I don't know I mean like it sounds like a kind of crazy and like very haunting story but it, it may have literally happened. It really not be that like sort of magical. I think the like whole like m- you know magical part of the story would be if she's literally had offspring with yeah. A give it get, give it give like, it <laughs> the wolf babies. Yeah,
0: that was stretching the 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 yeah. belief there a little bit.
1: Yeah, but um, but yeah, and and you know the idea that she was also then her ghost sort of lingered right so this Mm -hmm. is uh, also turns into a sort of haunting story right but again if you like are carried off by wolves as a baby and then are raised by them and then you know have wolf offspring (laughs) and then die early death like yeah you might haunt that lake too so yeah definitely not the wildest part of the story in my my opinion
0: so do you believe it i mean do you think there's a wolf there was a wolf a wolf wolf girl yeah
1: yeah why not like i i think that like that's probably i think that's probably not the only case of that ever happening in the in all of human history
0: right i think a human being
1: would be adopted
0: yeah i I could see that happening i mean grizzly man if it didn't go wrong like it had i mean you know somebody like that
1: yeah right right yeah exactly but um but also that like this happened at this lake was also kind of weird right like it definitely adds a sort of spooky, almost sort of paranormal aspect to it, right? This lake already had these like strange going, like it was like a magnet for strange going-ons and all that. And that this is. And the there was a storm. And there's the perfect storm, yeah. The perfect storm, and this guy struck by a lightning, like <laughs> it's like crazy, <laughs> right? So it's a pretty wild story all the same, but um, yeah, I think I think you know. All these people saw it. Like, there was, like, a lot of sightings, right? Like, it was, like, one of those things where it's like, oh, yeah, they saw the wolf girl, right, over and over. So, certainly they were seeing something. Okay, so, yeah, that's the wolf girl.
0: Cool. Cool. Okay. Do you want me to go? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm not going to tell you what thi- this is okay, okay. just yet. I'll just I'll just launch into the story. So the story begins in May of 1955 at around 3:30 in the morning, the witching hour. A businessman. He was known only as a businessman. Um, was, his identity was never revealed, but he was driving in the rural outskirts of the town of Loveland, Ohio, when he saw something strange. There, at the side of the road ahead of him were three bipedal reptilian looking creatures. He pulled over, stopped his car, and watched as these creatures were standing there for several minutes. He described them as being between three and four feet tall, covered with leathery skin, and having webbed hands and feet. He also said that they had frog-like heads and deep wrinkles on top, kind of like a toad would have. And as he watched, one of these frogmen held up what looked like a wand above its head and sparks were erupting from the top of it. And at that point, he became terrified and drove away. <laughs> so this is uh, this is the um, story of Loveland's frogmen.
1: Oh, nice. Oh, my God, this <laughs> is awesome. Oh, one of my friends is gonna be so happy. Like he, he's he's actually mentioned like mentioned that to me, this story. He has? This, that, really? Yeah, yeah. I, yes, of Ohio I've been oh, yeah, to sort you're of do it, because yeah, of Ohio, right, in Cincinnati. So yes, I think he'll be very happy to hear about that. But okay, good. So Okay. Um, well, it has night. a
0: special place in my heart too, because growing up I always had frogs and toads as pets. So I always kinda love frogs. I still do. Um,
1: okay, so I can't wait to hear about this. All right. <laughs> okay,
0: so this guy drives away, and he's terrified. And you might think this is like a one-off. You know, maybe he's been up too long or, you know, something. Like, who knows what he's been imbibing. But um, looking into this encounter, an early UFO investigator named Leonard Stringfield um, ended up mentioning it in a 1957 report about the phenomena. And in attempting to research this encounter and track down leads about the unnamed businessman... He learned from someone in the Loveland School Board that the FBI had actually investigated the case. Strangely. You know, you wouldn't think they'd come up for a frog frog frogmen sighting, but...
1: Wow, those are
0: aliens. So, right, well, okay. So, in 1956, he spoke to a different man who'd had a similar encounter in the area. Um, So, from the site, it's called Singular 14. According to Stringfield he and two fellow investigators met with Robert Honeycutt, who Stringfield described as, quote, a man in a responsible position, well-dressed, well-mannered, his voice soft, undramatic, his eyes steady, never shifting. So he has the appearance of one telling the truth that you can trust. So according to this witness, at about 4 a.m., so right around the same time of night, On a March night in 1952, while driving through Branch Hill on his way to Loveland, Honeycutt saw in the beams of his headlights what appeared to be three men kneeling at the right side of the road. His first impression was that somebody was hurt or some crazy guys were having fun. That was a quote from him. So curious, he stopped his car and he got out for a better look. To his surprise, he discovered that the figures were non-human and about three feet tall. They were not green, Honeycutt stressed, but rather a, quote, grayish color, including the garments. So they're were, they were wearing um, these tight-fitting, stretched over a lopsided chest-like type of clothes, I guess, which bulged at the shoulder to the armpit. And over this bulbousness hung a slender arm, noticeably longer than its opposite member, save for only a fleeting impression of quote, something baggy on the legs and the legs and feet were obscured by weeds and brush. And then he said, their heads were ugly, reminding him of a frog's face, mostly because of the mouth which spanned in a thin line across the smooth gray face. While Honeycutt Thought that the eyes were without brows um, seemed normal and he said that the nose was indistinct um, the paint of the head had like the the texture of it looked like a painted on hair effect like a plastic doll so that kind of um, is in line with the first encounter which talked about like having kind of like that wrinkly sort of texture on the head. And then he added, it was corrugated or like rolls of fat running horizontally over a bald head. Um, So according to Honeycutt, the um, middle biped and the one closest to him was first seen with his arms upraised. Um, He said, they were raised a foot or so above the head and holding a dark chain or stick, which emitted blue-white sparks jumping from one hand to the other. And as as he approached, he said this biped then lowered its arm with the chain as if to tie it around its ankles. And he said he wanted to get closer, but by the time he had reached the front fender of his car, the little men had made a slight unnatural move toward him, as if motioning me not to come any closer, he said. For about three minutes, Honeycutt said he just stood still, just watching, too amazed to be afraid. The next thing he remembered, he was on his way to um, the police chief, um, whose name was Fritz, Fritz's office. Um, so then, you know, reporting on this later, Stringfield said that um, police chief Fritz investigated the area but found nothing. And he also noted that members of the Loveland Ground Observer Corps reported seeing a UFO in that general area the night of Honeycutt's sighting, although at this time UFO sightings in the area weren't uncommon. So. Something that um, a lot of researchers have pointed out is it was close to the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. So, of course, you'd be seeing flying things in the air, whether or not it's something that would be a known, you know, craft. Um, So then in March 3rd, on March 3rd of 1972, at around 1 in the morning, an Ohio police officer, um, so this is 1972, this is like, you know, what, good, 15... Twenty years down the road Um, but an Ohio police officer in the same area um, his name was Ray Shockey was unwrote to Loveland Ohio and he was taking the rural Riverside Road so it was dark and fairly deserted at that time of night and the glow of his headlights illuminated something on the side of the road near a field and at first he thought that this thing was a dog but as he got closer it stood up on its hind legs and looked at him, its eyes shining in his headlights, and he could see that this was no dog. Instead, Shockey later described it as standing about three to four feet tall, weighing about 60 pounds and having leathery textured skin and a face like a frog or a lizard. And as he watched, The creature turned away from him and leaped over the road's guardrail and it then moved down the embankment and disappeared into the black waters of the little miami river below hardly believing his eyes Shocky drove to the police station and told a fellow officer whose name was mark matthews so the two of them returned to the site to see if they could find any evidence of this strange creature and while they were you know, investigating the area, they spotted scrape marks leading down the side of the embankment toward the river, as if something, you know, had run really quickly or dragged or rolled, etc., down the hill. And this wasn't the last of the frogman. So on March seventeenth, nineteen seventy-two, which was Saint Patrick's Day, the other officer, Matthews, had his own experience. Um, he was driving at night in the Loveland area. When he saw what looked like a dead animal lying in the middle of the road, probably thinking it was a potential hazard, he stopped to drag it off to the side. But when he opened his door, the creature startled and um, got into a crouching position. So clearly, it's it's not anything dead. And at this point, it made eye contact with Matthews, and it stood up on two legs, walked to the guardrail watching him the entire time so it was like making eye contact and like kind of i just imagine it like backing backwards still watching him it lifted its legs over the railing before making its way down the embankment and um okay so this this kind of makes me sad but matthews said that he attempted to shoot it um and then you know he said at this time that he missed and the frogman got away um matthews and shaki weren't the only ones who saw the creature At this point in time, a local farmer claimed to have seen a large frog or lizard-like creature during that same month, and there were other sightings, too. Um, And so, and we're definitely, we're going to post this um, on our Instagram, but uh, Shaki's sister drew a sketch based on the two officers' descriptions after the fact, and... Um, it shows this slightly hunched over creature. And Matthews reported that when he saw it, it actually stood more upright, but basically, you know, agreed that this, it was a pretty good likeness. Um, and, and the other officer agreed as well. Um, so as you might guess, uh, <laughs> these guys took a lot of flack for their frogman reports to the point where people started making fun of them uh, the town, and the town in general. It became kind of a big joke um, about these guys seeing frogmen. And that could be why when in 2001, in an interview with Weird Ohio, Matthews retracted his earlier claims. And so he said he was tired of talking about the frogman, that's what he told, you know, the reporter, and that what he saw was an an iguana. Um, But then somebody else later uh, interviewed said, why would they show us a composite drawing of this creature in 1976 and tell us that it looked just like the drawing? Um... And then fi- the, cir- the story is still circulating with many variations, um, and and they speculated that maybe Matthews was just tired of hearing the story, and talking about it, you know, and embarrassed. Um, but also, like, do iguanas get that big, like three, four feet tall, or on their hind legs? I'm, no, I don't know. I mean, them they to get do that.
1: long, but yeah, right. like yeah. No, it sounds like he's like, I'm done with these fools. Like, I saw what I saw. Like, you're not gonna believe me, so fuck off.
0: Yeah, so he was just over it. But, yeah. okay, so that might not be the end of the fragment, you know, even then. So in a story that ran August 4th, 2016, which is pretty exciting, on the Fox 19 site, a couple was out playing Pokemon Go in the area around Loveland, and they had a strange encounter. Um, so uh, one of them whose last name was Jacobs said, we saw a huge frog near the water, not in the game. This was an actual giant frog. I took a couple of pictures and a video because I'd never seen one that big. And then the thing stood up and walked on its hind legs. And then Jacobs went on to say he realizes some people will think he's crazy, but he said, I swear on my grandmother's grave, this is the truth. I'm not sure whether it was a frogman or just a giant frog. Either way, I've never seen anything like it. Um, and he ended up taking photographs and a video of the creature, which shows a pair of these like shining eyes and a frog-like shape uh, rising from the river. And we will definitely post that as well. Yeah, I um, think
1: I found it while you're tiling. <laughs> like, yeah. Yes, it's amazing, isn't it? We've got some pictures going. Uh, yeah,
0: it's great. So determined not to be uh, determined to be a buzzkill, excuse me. Uh, o- Officer Matthews saw the story, and he actually called the reporter to reiterate um, that what he saw years ago was a large iguana. Um, and that the animal—it was probably missing its tail, and that's why he didn't immediately realize that's what it was. <laughs> but the body shape is completely different. Frogs and toads have like fat bellies and stuff, longer legs. Anyway, um, Matthew said that he figured the iguana had been someone's pet, and then it got loose. You know, when it got too big, you know, kind of like the, the urban legends of alligators in the sewer type thing.
1: Um, I mean, they do get big, but they—they don't—they look like lizards they look like they animals. don't like little like, they, fr- don't look, they don't look
0: like little men yeah they don't
1: look like a little frog right. man like they right. you know, even if it's like somehow propped up vertically right they're
0: pretty. So, they're, you know, yeah yeah so anyway listen, this, yeah right like he but he ended up saying like oh it was half dead anyway when i shot it but you know it's really odd that in the earlier reports he claimed he'd missed it and it got away so what? whatever like frogman is real in my mind
1: Yes, I 100%, 100% believe this. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> nice. Me too. Me too. Like, okay, so yes. I mean, I'd, I'd heard a, heard about this a little bit from one of my friends previously. But even in just like, your recounting of it, like, there's so much there. Like, I mean, it, it has all the, like, flags to me of, like, a genuine encounter that something happened here, right? Like, to the point where yeah. the guy's, like, recanting. Where he's like, right. I'm... D- you know, you, well, I saw what I saw. No one will take me seriously, so I'm not just going to keep saying the same thing over again. So I saw an iguana. Of, Leave me alone. Like I don't even really want to have seen this thing. Like I don't even want this to have happened at this point.
0: Well, and also maybe he was ordered. I mean, you know, if oh, if, if this is aliens, if this is aliens, some
1: men in black visited him. Maybe the said,
0: men in black, yeah, yeah just yeah. made sure. Like what you saw was an iguana, sir.
1: Right, right. It has that smacks <laughs> of that, uh, right? Like swamp gas. Like it was a you know weather balloon weather balloon it was
0: a giant iguana that got away and had no tail and it stood up on two legs and climbed over a fence like
1: right but it was more than just him though right like he yeah I mean there are multiple
0: multiple stories yeah I mean like two police officers uh, looks like two different accounts um, from people who seem to be like Professionals, you know, right. in their field, and, uh, you know, a farmer and, and, and some more sightings, apparently, too. And then also, like, you know, we've got this modern encounter.
1: So, okay. So we, we covered that. We both b- b- believe it. it what that do you think? Happened. What is it? What, is what do you this? think?
0: What do you think? I kind of hope it is a, a, a giant frog creature.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like, okay, I mean,. I don't know. I mean, there's there's so little here, right? Like, but like, it's probably aliens, right? <laughs> I yeah, I mean, it's right. I mean, it it's sounds, by an air
0: force base. But also, just like also all like the, the weird, weird the spark thing.
1: The spark thing, um, yeah. which is very um, uh, uh, was it um, spring Heel Jack sort of ish, and the just the weird clothing and like the obscure like the. Um, the asymmetry of like the gar and the garb and everything feeling like a little awkward and weird, Mm -hmm. like makes it sound like this is something wearing something or trying to look a certain way or something like that. Yeah. It was a little unclear the way,
0: the way that the, uh, the clothing was described was a little confusing, but, um, it sounds like it's some kind of strange, uh, get up that they, uh, the frog people were wearing in that one account.
1: And that it was like trying to do something, right? Like yeah. all these other, you know, blank man, uh, you know, wild man and and, fro- and um, a wolf man and, you know, a dog man and like, or even the goat man for that matter, right? Like they're all like taking off or, and I guess in the case of the goat man, he's trying to like get you to get hit by a train, but they're not really like doing these complicated weird things that are sort of indecipherable. Like they're the- running off into the woods. Or something, some right. version of well, that.
0: The strange thing, though, is that, like, what are they doing by the side of the road? You know, just hanging out there.
1: Yeah, right.
0: Like, what's Like, how that did it even about? get
1: there? Like, why is it deep in the forest, right? Like, why is it.
0: One thing I'll say, uh, having had toads as pets, I mean, if my dreams come true and this is a giant frog toad thing, they're attracted to uh, warm pavement. <laughs> they like to sit Warm in the sun <laughs> okay
1: okay <laughs> i'm
0: well, pretty I mean, sure this is not a real frog guys but
1: yeah when i can I mean, dream i can dream i mean the other thing that makes me think this is some type of like visitation or something is like it's a very specific time period right this is like what like basically takes place in the 70s uh the fi-
0: started on the 50s oh sorry and 50s, 50s and yeah, the 50s and the 70s and then in 2016 we have this okay other so maybe pokemon some
1: go Okay. So maybe it is coming back to this. Maybe there is something hanging out there. I was gonna say that like
0: Well, if it's by the Air Force base, maybe there's some kind of underground base situation, you know, where the frogmen are hanging out.
1: Or they're coming to stay on their their cousins in the creek there or something like you know, like
0: (laughs) Could be. Could be.
1: But um but I I guess what I'm saying is it's like not as pervasive of like covering centuries that you know like the Dogman or, or bigfoot do right where like this is something potentially living out in the wild this could be something that's like sort of visiting at specific times
0: yeah or some phenomena yeah. that what do you think Seth? do you believe that do you believe in the frogman
1: i believe in the frogman and is probably aliens <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> i
0: think i'm with you on
1: that I'm, a, I'm gonna i'm gonna put a stake in the ground there. but
0: i 100 believe yeah
1: yeah, no, I do too. I definitely do. Um, so, okay.
0: Wow. Do you have any more? No, no. Okay. I have one more if we have time. Okay. Just, it's a short one. And I just wanted to close on this because this is like, you know, out of all of the monsters and the cryptids and the frog men and wolf girls and goat men out there, the scariest monster is human beings, right? Mm-hmm. So. I have one more story that's supposedly true and it was originally submitted to and narrated by um the mr nightmare um youtube uh scary story narrator um it's a channel i like to listen to these like narrated supposedly true scary stories um and uh this one i thought was pretty compelling and spooky okay So this story took place in upstate New York, and the submitter said he'd been an avid hunter since boyhood and wanted to pass down the tradition to his son, Peter, who was 10 at the time. So after teaching his son the basics of hunter and gun safety, one day um, they loaded up two Remington 798 sniper rifles into into the vehicle, and father and son set off for the woods to go hunting for the first time. When they arrived at their destination, the man handed his son the gun, and the two of them waited in their lookout spot. So after a while, nothing was happening. There's no game around, no deer. The boy was growing bored. It's just a lot of waiting and nothing to do. So the father made the decision to pack up and move someplace else in search of a better hunting spot. And then he said, as soon as we began walking, I heard footsteps. I put my arm in front of Peter silently and motioned for him to raise his gun, thinking that it's probably a deer gonna come out from the brush. The boy followed his direction, but all at once, they spotted a human's head peer out at them from around a tree in the distance. The man immediately pushed, pushed his son's gun down, you know, startled and also disappointed it wasn't a deer, but relieved that the boy hadn't fired a shot, of course. So he gave the guy this apologetic little wave and the face disappeared behind the tree out of sight. He couldn't tell at the time if it was another hunter, but said that even at at a distance, there was the sense of something off putting about the face. He said, I couldn't put my finger on what it was at, at that moment. Seeing somebody this deep into the woods was rare and also strange. And this guy didn't look exactly like a hunter. So as a safety precaution, I suppose, I steered Peter back in the other direction. So the boy asked him who he thought the man was, and he said he didn't know, but he thought they shouldn't get any closer. A few minutes later, the boy and his father started feeling hungry, so they stopped for a rest, unpacked their snacks they'd brought along, and they were eating their lunch. So while they were eating, they heard footsteps again in the distance. The boy again picked up his rifle, of pointing it in that direction in case it was a deer but again they were disappointed and unnerved to see that same man peeking out from behind another tree at them so he lowered the boy's gun again and by this time both of them were getting nervous the father decided it was time to see what this person wanted so he told peter to stay put while he went over to confront the man behind the tree preparing himself emotionally for whatever was going to go down But on the way over, he thought, what the hell am I doing? My son is right there. So he turned around and ran back to where his son was and told him it was time to go. They didn't run, but they walked back to the road where their vehicle was parked. And um, the father said, I was mentally waiting for a twig snap or a leaf crunch from behind us. And when it happened, I nudged Peter to go on ahead. I angrily turned around and stormed toward the man who was once again peering from behind a tree. When I got within 30 feet of the tree, he moved back behind the tree out of sight, and then I heard a thud as if something just dropped to the ground. Gun cocked and ready, he cautiously walked up to the tree without saying a word. And then he said, when I got there, I felt everything collapse around me, or rather cease to exist, all that I could focus on was the head laying face first in the ground in front of me. No body, just head. I didn't even look up to see who had dropped it there. I just full on sprinted back to Peter and told him to run. He said they made it back home safely and weren't followed, and he made sure of that, and he stayed up all night keeping watch. The next day, his wife told him there had been two disappearances of local hunters, and he called the police and reported what they saw. I'm not sure why I waited a day, but okay. Yeah. Um, and then he said, I had to, of course, play it safe for a long time, at least a few months before taking my son out again. What baffles me, though, is how this person managed to kill two hunters who had to be armed with some kind of weapon. I have since resumed hunting with my son. Uh, that's dedication for you.
1: The end. Whoa. Creepy. Scary. Creepy.
0: <laughs> Isn't it?
1: Is that the, the man-man? The man-man? Yeah, the man, man, the the yeah, some just kind of crazy, creepy,
0: up. yeah, serial
1: killer We're or something not doing in, the cool in the frogman stuff. But no, no, no. Um. Wow, cool. Well, I feel like that was like a big. <laughs> that was a big episode. I feel like we got we we covered a lot of stuff. I mean, it's interesting, like the idea of campfire stories and just like these urban stories and like uh, well, not urban. Of these fol- stories of folklore right and like mm-hmm. and of you know real occurrences like this last one like um, I don't know just the idea of like all these like different creatures out there you know that I don't know like the more you dig into folklore and all that like just how many of them there are right like and, and how you know a lot of these are shared in this sort of like campfire sort of scenario. I mean, I looked into the like man with hook one. I was going to, I
0: thought for sure (laughs) you were going to do that one. I looked (laughs) into it and it was like so
1: urban legendy that it wasn't, there wasn't much there. There wasn't enough to
0: go on. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: But that being said, any of you guys out there? If you have any hookman stories, uh,
1: yeah, 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 we definitely. Please send them to. our we way. Them. No, I definitely. That was like one of the first ones. Like, oh, we should do that. But the more I dug into, is like, there's not a lot that sort of exists outside of the sort of um, how its way it's made its way into sort of urban legend and film, right? Like, it's mm-hmm. definitely there, very much like Candyman, like. But there's not the the folklore where it's being told person to person actually, you know, around campfires or otherwise, right. Or figurative campfires, right. Where we're sharing these stories. Like, I don't know, but I mean, it's, it's just wild to me that like, there's the, the more we do this, the more we dig in, there's just so many of these out there. So like, what the fuck's going on out there? <laughs> like, where are all these like creatures from and w- what are they doing? And like, is this just something that we can't help see? You know, in the world around us, or or is we just populated with this like wild fucking kingdom of, <laughs> you know, all of these types of you know creatures that we just don't understand that are operating on some other level, or
0: right. I'd be interested in knowing like, some s- shit. like the the, know. the like st- the statistics, and I'm sure you can you know we can look this up and find out, but like how much of the you know American wilderness is unexplored? Like, yeah, right, h- right. how many places haven't we been? What is too dense, you know, You know that, that there could be these things living and we would never know it? Yeah, and I mean, now so that sure with the advent of drones know, and cell yeah. phones, you know, especially drones, you know, where you could, you know, look into places you never could have reached on foot, like, what are we going to be finding?
1: Yeah, and, like, we're so sure that, like, these... These creatures don't exist simply because we haven't found them yet. We're like, oh well, if if they existed, we would find them. But if they don't want to be found, and there's a, and there's some element element of it, um, you know, of intelligence, right?
0: Like, well, it's we very smart of them not to be found by us. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That exactly guys, for
0: that, that officer's, you know, first instinct was to try to shoot at the frogman.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Who's
0: like, you know, maybe he's just, you know, saying hi and. You know? Hey, look at my sparkler. <laughs>
1: right, right. <laughs> or he's like, Hey, you know, come this way into the forest and I'll show you something cool. <laughs> <laughs> Could be that too. Could be that too. <laughs> Next thing you know, you're I
0: wonder too, like, if they did attack people, how would they do it, you know? Like if. Well, anyway. Yeah. Um Yeah. Yeah.
1: Cool. Well, I guess uh, I don't know. I feel like we we did we did it. We really tenfold. did it. Yeah, yeah. We really good. did it.
0: We did fifty episodes. Yep. Thanks Happy again 50. to everybody yep. for subscribing and listening. And yes, um, thanks for tuning in. And again, follow us on Instagram. Uh, visit the site. We're going to be putting up um, not only photos on Instagram, but we'll be like posting links on the site so you can get a closer look at it some of the stuff we covered today. Yeah, and I feel like there's
1: going to be some good ones in, in this batch.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure there's going to be. We've got quite a bit. And then, um, yeah, just uh, rate us, review us. Uh, it, it really helps. We really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, we love you guys. Yeah,
1: thanks for listening. All right, cool. Well, I feel like we did it. So we did I it. Guess, until next time.
0: Until next time. Talk to you soon. Uh, okay.
1: All right, bye. bye shadowland podcast is produced by seth Javlon and christina callery edited by tim kelly theme music by tim lincoln
0: thanks tims